0: I am Damla Akhtekin, I am a healer and the host of this podcast, and I can't wait for you to listen to this conversation. If you are new to this podcast, please take a moment to subscribe so that you can be aware of new episodes. I also invite you to visit dropofom.com A-D-R-O-P-O-F-O-M.com, where I share a lot of free resources for self-healing and healing, and you can take a free quiz to find out what your energetic wounds are and how they may show up in your life. Discovering what your wounds are is the first step in healing them. I hope you enjoy this episode. There is one more thing I would like to share with you before you listen to this episode. I created a wonderful container to help you process the collective trauma of the pandemic and begin to heal your energetic wounds. It is an energy healing membership called Chakra Bliss Vault. Every month you will receive three new crystal healing sessions Plus, you'll immediately have access to my entire energy healing recording library when you sign up. The membership is really affordable and will continue to be so. You can find out more about it at adropofom.com, A-D-R-O-P-O-F-O-M.com. I invite you to make your healing a priority and invest in your well-being by becoming a Chakra Bliss Vault member. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be with Emily Francis here. Hi, Emily. Hi, how are you? I am great. So I want to introduce you. So Emily is a body worker healer. Uh, she's the host of the All About Healing radio show. She is also the author of the Healing Ourselves Whole Interact An Interactive Guide to Release Pain and Trauma by Utilizing the Wisdom of the Body book, which I'm so excited to talk about. I've had a chance to read it. And um, before we dive into that, though, Emily, what is your story? What led you to do this work that you do and write this book that you wrote?
1: You know, I feel like I'm so many stories. I was thinking about that today, that I feel like I've lived so many lives in this one incarnation. And I've been so many people in this life. But since I was three, I was a gymnast. I always did gymnastics and martial arts. And then I cheered even in college and muscles and exercise was always a huge part of my life. And I got a degree in exercise science and wellness in college. And when I was young, my dad was always really into exercise and, and I always wanted to be a bodybuilder, which I never did. But he would always be very proud and want me to tell everyone. What do you want to be? Tell him, tell him. And I'd say, oh, I want to be a bodybuilder. And when I was 13, uh, he went to go play tennis, and he couldn't come to the gym with me, and he died that day. He died of a heart attack. And it was the most shocking, like shocking to the point where I had to become someone completely different just to survive it because the pieces were in, in shatters. And um, – I didn't really know how to grieve and no one taught me. So I always tell parents, if something happens with your children, divorce, death, any of the big changes, even moves, get them some help because I didn't have that. We had about two weeks to grieve and then it was like the door was closed and it was like considered disrespectful to talk about him in my house. And so it wasn't like we kept his memory alive or I could ask a lot of questions. And so in a way, I lost a lot of my memories because it was like if I visited my memory bank, I I felt ashamed. Like, I I shouldn't, this is your no, this is your no-go zone. And so you took away my favorite person on the planet, my closest person, and then you just expect me to live. And I had to become someone new. And and it was okay. I I still did it. But then when I turned 25, so I was a kickboxing instructor, yoga instructor, martial arts, practicing Tai Chi, uh, exercise all day long, loved it. And then I had a panic attack. And I'd had one or two before, but I always had a reason behind it. But this one, I was teaching an aerobics class and I thought I was going to die. I thought I was actually going to have a heart attack right there. And it changed the dynamic of everything that I was. And I never wanted to walk into a gym ever again. I never taught from that day. I never taught aerobics or went to an aerobics class ever again. I still did yoga and I practiced martial arts, but I let go of all the other forms of exercise and I started going to therapy. So at 25, I stopped drinking alcohol, not realizing how great I was at self-medicating. I had done a stellar job at learning how to party with the best of them. And I was a lot of fun and I self-medicated. And I didn't even realize that that's what I was doing until I took it away. So I had to do a lot of healing and a lot of self-introspection. And it was so not as pretty as the way that anytime you can say it on on a show it was a really ugly, ugly, long path, seven years of trying to heal. And in that time, I went to massage school, became a clinical neuromuscular massage therapist. And my love of muscles continued in a new and exciting way, because I could put my hands on people and really hear what the body was trying to communicate. And so I realized I didn't really want to be a bodybuilder. I just love muscles. So I have a love affair with the muscles that has been ongoing ever since. And I was 27 at the time. I'm 46 now. So almost 20 years ago, I started doing body work. And uh, sometime in there, I started writing books because, one, I could see some of the basics that people were missing. And two, there are not enough bodyworkers that are authors. There are not enough people that understand the muscular system in an emotional way, how muscles adapt to emotions and that's the job and the calling of my life. So I have written three books on healing. I write about why we carry pain where we do. What are the muscle groups that are holding different emotions? Because they're in there. And the common, the common theme became so consistent that I started to make it a theory and then hypothesis and testing it and, and wrote about it in The Body Heals Itself, which was my first of the three healing books. But, uh, and then 20 years later, I went back and got a master's degree in human performance and physical education. So education is important to me. Uh, Studying the body is important to me. I'm a Reiki master, Yusui and Karuna Ki. I'm a lymphatic drainage therapist and combined decongestive therapy, which makes me one of three in the state of Georgia, where I was in doing this work post-cancer, something called lymphedema and one of approximately 40 in the United States, to be a specialized body worker was one of my most, it was the goal was I really wanted to not just, people don't come to me to relax and people don't share their story with me when they get there, because I don't want you getting in the way of what your body has to tell me.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: So that's that's me in a nutshell, which is a long circular way of saying I'm madly in love with the body, but with reason.
0: I love it. I love it. I think what stands out for me, um, having met you earlier and then having read your latest book, is and having hearing your story here, is you are a bodybuilder in the sense that you help people build their bodies in a new way. Yes, nobody's ever said that.
1: <laughs> You're right.
0: So, and it's, it's ah. it sounds like your story is magical to me because this is like all the science posts have been leading you to where you are now. So it's beautiful. Thank you for sharing.
1: Thank you. Nobody has ever said that nobody's ever put that together. I've never thought that. And now that you say that, that's exactly what I do. I help you rebuild your body. It just isn't about what you look like though. That's the thing. And it took me forever because I was a gymnast and I was a cheerleader and then always in in aerobics and exercise. And for a long time, it became where people felt really comfortable to discuss my body without me ever saying, Hey, how do I look? What do you think? I didn't do that stuff. And so I, I drew a lot of people to me that felt like it was really perfectly acceptable conversation to talk about my body, my weight, my, this, my, that. And, And now as a much older person who's had children and not in the aerobic field anymore, the way that I've rebuilt my body and the way that I approach other people's has nothing to do with the outside. It's all this really deep, deep pipelining work of of your cells, your your emotional cells, the way and the fascia and and the muscle memory. And I call it your whole body memory systems and helping your body to be reminded that your body knows how to function at healthy, optimum levels. And I'm here to try to help you remember, but you are always the one that brings yourself back in and gets it together. But it's, you're right, I am a bodybuilder. It's just yeah. not coming on the outside anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah, in a much deeper way. And I'm reminded of uh, one of the things I do. I work with um, healing energy and vibrational healing. But one of the things that I ask my clients the most is, okay, what are you sensing, feeling, and noticing in your body now that we're doing the energy work? Like what's happening in your body? Pay attention. What are you not able to sense into? Which brings me to, and I'm someone um, through my inner work, my body has become more and more important in giving me those guidelines of where I need to go next, what I need to do next. Um, and I combine it with my, my chakra um, antennas, if you will. <laughs> Yes, yeah, I totally agree. I want to talk to you about for you, for someone who sort of translated what's written in the muscles into a consistent story of um, healing guidance. What does the inner knowing of the body mean to you? Everything. Yeah.
1: Everything. Yeah. Literally everything. I mean, uh, you know, in my quest to become myself, so. When I started dealing with anxiety and panic, I really like stepped out of life. I just took a seat and watched my life pass me by for years. I went to shamans. I had soul recovery and extraction. I went to at channelers. I went to healers. I went to crystal healers. I went to mystics. I went to wizards. I went to regular doctors, psychiatrists, EMDR therapy, hypnotherapy, you name it. I did it. And at the end, it still had to be me, but I had to figure out the combination and um, it, that actually makes me forget what it is that you asked, oh, the body. The important thing to me is when I started to heal, really heal, I realized how many people I gave my power to <clears throat> over my body, over my decisions, over my inner voice, their voices became louder than mine. And so whenever I would make a decision, I would go to these people and they would basically put it down. Oh, no, no, no. There were so many people that like to keep you broken. When you're on the healing path and you don't realize it because they become as dependent as you do they need you to build them up they're the gifted ones they're the healer they're the this and you are always broken and when you start to mend they don't know what to do and you don't know what to do because it's really hard to finally go oh you know what i'm actually not interested in your opinion guess what i'm going to listen to my gut guess what i'm going to listen to my mind guess what i'm going to tune into my body vibration. What is it humming? What does it sound like? What do I feel? Where do I feel it? How do I access that again and again so that I can remain on a balanced playing field for myself? So what does the body mean to me? Everything. And so now if, if I feel it, I'm in. If I don't, I'm out and I don't go to people anymore. I go to people for like acupuncture when I need it or, you know, whatever that stuff. But I don't go for advice anymore. I sit, I go outside. Even last night, it was almost the perfect full moon every night. My husband knows. I'm like, well, it's full moon. Gotta go. You're asleep. Bye. You know, I'll be outside for a while. That's my time. Everybody in in my house knows that when everybody goes to sleep, mommy goes outside. I go sit still. I go have conversations with God under the moon and look at nature, and I feel how I feel to direct me to each next right step. But that, to me, is one of the most powerful things that you can become, is your own guide. And I think that if I could teach anybody, which is why I wrote this last book, if I could teach you how to listen to your own body, that's where we want to go. That's the power I want you to have, because you shouldn't depend on me. I don't want you to constantly call me and ask me questions. I want you to feel powerful enough that you can call when you want, and I can celebrate with you, but I do not lead any path
0: for you. I love that. So um, I want to hear from you about carrots.
1: (laughs) Oh, the carrots, the carrots. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to start with the way people can understand it. A psychologist would call it a trauma capsule. So if you went and you Googled all your little science stuff, you could look up trauma capsule. And that means that something was so traumatizing that you couldn't handle it. You shove it in a capsule, you drop it into your body, and you move on. My job is to pick up the capsule from the body. The way that it lands inside the body grows as a carrot is planted. So in the soft tissues, the muscles, the the fascia, the blood, the, the whole thing in your soft tissue lines of your body, where we also store emotions, there are what I look at and see carrots planted below the surface. They might be a thick carrot. They might be a thin carrot. They might be a baby carrot. And they usually have that string coming out longer. And then the greenery is up and out. So in the meditations, we go to whatever carrot alerts you to the story that we're trying to match to. And then we grab it by the greenery, by the deep root, and we pull the whole thing out and then quickly fill it with a hot liquid of whatever color you choose that is the same weight so that you don't feel naked and raw when the, when the parts that cause pain are removed. Because believe it or not, the pain, the anguish, the anxiety, whatever it is, we make friends with it. And we feel naked without it because we don't remember how to live without it. So a lot of times we feel like, oh my gosh, I feel healed, I feel free. And then about three days later, we're like, oh, you know what, I'm gonna need that back. I don't really know how to live like that, let's put that back. But instead, in, in our meditation and in our work, we've removed it and filled it. There's no place to plant it in that spot anymore. And in the, instead, it's an opaque, liquid, hot, crystallized, that is healing. So instead of growing into the roots and spreading a poison toxic, you're now having the same spot that's spreading like a crystal healing. Yes. Through the body.
0: And what I love about that in your wording is because you talk about the, the trauma, the grief, the guilt, and the shame. And you also talk about the joy, the happiness, the empowered, being empowered. And you, as... um address them all the same they're all carrots and to me that's powerful because they're all energy constructs and they all have value in their own way it's just you choosing to plant what you want to plant in your being Um, so tell me about let's go to the heavy what you call the heavy four first what is the heavy four and why is it so important that we address and find Mm. those carrots
1: so important okay so i created something called the somatic emotion chart and somatic means body so your body emotions when i so when you go to like a therapist they might show you this big wheel a feeling wheel or an emotion chart and then they say like try to tell me how you feel and you've got like 80 different words looking at you and you're trying to like pinpoint but when you're laying on a massage table you don't have 80 different things you have very specific emotions in the tissues of the body And what I consider are the heavy four. Trauma, which is anything that has happened in your life that produces a negative response, okay? Shame, guilt, and then grief is its own beast. I put trauma, shame, and guilt in a cycle. They work together. One is not there without the other, really it isn't. They don't feel the same, but they don't show up alone. Grief is its own entire monster. So we go through the trauma, shame, and guilt. And then we look at grief, but the thing about grief that I wanna make very clear is, you don't really heal grief. You learn to live with it. You learn to minimize it. You learn to figure out a way for it to live in your front pocket, but not take over your body. But grief is not, so when I talk about grief in the context of healing, I never want someone who is in grief currently to look at me and go, are you kidding me? What, you're gonna heal this grief? No, I'm not. You can, to an extent, because grief is something, grief slices you. And this is what I really believe. I believe that when you really hit grief, because usually grief is a result of a loss, a great loss, whether that's in death, whether that's the ending of something. And it makes you, uh, your life parallel. Your times are now different. I'm this age, but I would have been this age, or they would have been this age, or this would have been their birthday, or this would have been where we were. We would have been married 20 years today. Grief changes and gives you a second set of timelines. So, when you start to think about that, that like I'm living here, grief asks you to live in the reality and in a fake reality if that thing hadn't happened. And you're simultaneously trying to walk a balance. So, when we discuss grief, I mostly want to validate where the grief is because, yes, you're still going to remove the carrot, but no, it's not going to feel like this the way that you can work with trauma, shame, and guilt. And shame and guilt, I do wanna talk about this. The way that they feel to my hands, they're tissues of the skin. Because I'm a lymphatic drainage therapist, I can feel the tissues of the skin in a way that is not your normal massage therapist understanding of the skin. And so the skin, before you even get to muscles, has a lot to say. And when a person is laden with guilt, it feels like an anchor, feels like a solid ball. The tissues change, they're less pliable. And when you have shame, the tissues cry. It's like the tissues cry. Mm -hmm. It's like the body, the shoulders come forward. The chin doesn't like to be up. You don't like to make eye contact. The heart space is covered, it's buried. And what what I do in my book that I talk about is, for shame and guilt, this is my analogy in the body. Imagine that in your bloodstream is a snake, one snake crawling through all the muscles, all the body, slithering, slithering. The snake lays eggs, and you don't know where those eggs are. Guilt is the egg in full form. You can pull them out, find them, locate them, get them out. Shame, the eggs have already cracked. Now they're in the body. The body is now absorbing these little shards, and you're never going to get all of them out, but you can work with them. Does that make sense as far as like, that's the way it, it feels does. to my it hands does. and my
0: head. Um, one thing I want to mention everyone is you actually have um, very generously shared um, there are meditations that go along with your book and those meditations have to do specifically with trauma, grief, shame, and guilt and everything else. They're freely available on your website, um, oh, yes. emilyafrancisbooks.com, which we will share. But I, um, I was just thinking about you you said, grief slices you. And it's interesting because I, I followed your meditation on grief, which was beautiful. Oh, thank you. And, and my carrot was, um, I had an emergency C-section in 2012. And I always felt like my left side was more, was more um, constricted or like pulled together. It felt to me like they started cutting from my left towards the right. Mm-hmm. And my carrot was on the left starting point of my incision. Yeah. So that's, um, and that always felt to me like a um, before and after moment. <laughs> the certain- know,
1: I wrote about that in my book because I had C-sections as well. So there's a section of my book called unintentional trauma. They didn't come at you to cause you harm. Everything was done, at least for me, from my doctor, expressly well. Nobody meant any harm. We had a safe, healthy pregnancy and delivery, but my body will never be the same. The trauma is there. It is there. It's an unintentional trauma is what I think of it, but I've never been able to be put back. The way that it was. I mean, come on, they slice through your skin and your muscles, open the muscles, pull a child out and then staple it out, stitch it back and then go, okay, you're good. And then we're supposed to say, well, <clears throat> thankfully, hopefully we had a healthy delivery and the baby's here. And so we're okay. But I remember teaching a yoga class one night. Long before I had kids. And I had gotten a hold of this music from a doctor at a nearby hospital that did this angelic background with a baby's heartbeat. And I was doing this whole rebirthing meditation at the end of yoga, thinking that we're all cracking back open and having this experience. And one of my yoga students said, Oh my God, she was in tears. She's like, please never play that music ever, ever in this class ever again. It caused me so much trauma, remembering being in the hospital, delivering my twins, and one had a a problem, and to hear the heart monitor, and this put me into straight trauma. You know, and it was like, uh, oh, okay. So I never played the music again. In fact, I don't even, I don't think I even found the CD again, like it was like completely gone from my hands. But had I been further along in my own healing way back at this time, I would have actually wanted to work with her a little more on this, I would have put my hands on her which I wasn't a body worker yet. Um, But there's, but that's an unintentional trauma it's extremely traumatizing. But nobody it wasn't because you were at the hands of someone it wasn't because of those situations, but it is an absolute trauma, and not to be dismissed as anything other than a trauma it has, it has completely traumatize the system and we have to learn how to
0: how to build and function and it's also it's it's funny you say that because the before and after thing because that was for me the birth of my daughter um in that way was also the beginning and the birth of me not just as a mother but as also as a healer because i needed to put myself back together as as you say in new and different ways uh because nothing I knew worked nothing I knew before nothing I knew worked either yeah
1: I remember being on the floor when I finally got like all the go-aheads from the doctor and I thought I'm gonna do just a little bit of yoga my body misses it I'm just gonna open up and I'm laying on my stomach trying to do a baby cobra and it felt like my whole stomach reopened and I remember like sitting on the floor with tears and emailing a friend of mine who I had cheered with in college back many years before. And I was like, you still do back handsprings now after all these years and you've had a C-section. How did you do it? And she was like, oh, you're at the beginning. I remember this. It does. It feels like it's gonna tear your whole stomach apart. Give yourself some time to heal. But it was like really terrifying that I was never going to be better, that I was never gonna recover. And now I, I do a lot of like, I put my hands on that area and sort of talk to it like, I know that I know you've been through a lot, but thank you so much. I I love my life and what you've given to me. And thank you. Thank you for, you know, and I try to do this instead of like, wow, I hate that fat that's now over that line. I hate (laughs) the scar. I hate this. I hate that. You know, and it's like instead I'm trying to like, you know, you've been so good to me and you even. Closed back up. You know, I mean, yeah. it was, but it's, but it is a hugely traumatic. And I even like in my book, I was looking up trauma and they had like all these different types of trauma according to the DSM five, which is the psychology manual, whatever. And one of the things that they said was they don't consider divorce to be a trauma. That's interesting. And <laughs> I put it in my book. I was like, for the record, I disagree. <laughs> Not that I have been, thank God, knock on wood, but I, well, I'm married to a man who was divorced, so I know that the effects of divorce, it's a freaking nightmare. So I know what, what and they were already divorced before I met. Let me say that. <laughs> I, was, I was not there when this all went down, but you deal with it forever. It's always going to be there. And, if, and as people that have come to me for body work during their divorce, they were miserable. So to say this is not a trauma, who are you to decide what's a trauma and what's not? Because something might be what you would look at and go, that's not a big deal. You need to get over it. And to somebody else, it's a breakdown of every part of your body. Like, uh, you, don't have, you don't have any right to say, and I say this on both sides, just so that anybody hears me. Nobody has any right to say what level of trauma you are at, except for you. And nobody has any right to say what's possible in your healing, except for you and God. No doctor, no healer, no no one. You and God set the tone and the path. And hopefully people come along that get to help, but nobody gets to say, you know, this is what your limit is on either side. But, but I was shocked when I was doing that research and I was like, are you kidding me that this isn't considered a trauma? <laughs>
0: like, <sighs> yeah, I feel, I mean, any type of, and I call them energetic wounds, anything that feels that is not life affirming or life enhancing leaves a mark in your body and in your field. But also um, let's talk about the good stuff too. Let's talk about the, you. we talked about the heavy four, let's talk about, yeah. about the fabulous four because that fabulous is the mark too,
1: right? It does. And it, 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 here's what I've really learned. The muscle memory stores your traumas the way they store your joys. You can have the same body response on both ends of the spectrum. They come from the same memory place. So we can trigger a trauma response. We can trigger a joy response we can trigger the release of the hormones that help us heal. So the carrots that I used in the first half, in the second half, the carrots stay in place, but they bloom flowers on the greenery. And here's what I thought was like the coolest thing ever was when I actually researched this, like would carrots grow flowers? On the side of the highway, when you see these white flowers, they're called Queen Anne's lace. If you pulled them from the roots, there's baby carrots at the bottom, wild carrots, grow queen anne's lace how crazy is that and so it's real it's real nature matches what's going on in the body so the carrots under now you have this greenery now you're growing some flowers from these great times now i'm going to go over the four happy joy connected empowered happy is bliss sensation positive feelings good vibes it's present. Present tense emotion. It is not a deeply held, but it happens so often that your body can recognize it and do more. But you don't really dig into the body to manufacture happy the way that we do for joy. And we'll get there in just a second. Happy is something that comes from outside to the inside. So to feel happy, you can put on a comedy show and just veg out and laugh. It's happy. Okay. And it releases some of those dopamine receptors and things that gives you what you need for healing, for feeling good. Now, joy though, joy is deep. It is physiologically tracked within the system. Joy to me is the match to trauma, even though it's trauma, shame, guilt, grief, and then happy, whatever joy and trauma to me are the, are the opposites of exactly the same place, two sides of the same coin in the muscle. So joy can release in a way that it highlights all the senses. So uh you're in a car and a song comes on and boom, you're back. You're 16. You're in your boyfriend's car. You can feel the vinyl. You can smell the cologne. You can whatever, whatever memories, it's all there. It's released from the muscle memory, from the same place that a trauma response can trigger. But instead, you're releasing dopamine and and, and oxytocin and endorphins and you're getting this fabulous emotion release. And the cool thing is that dopamine, the thing that makes you really happy that helps for healing is that it releases at the anticipation of an experience not in the actual experience so when you do the meditation and the visualization you can access the dopamine receptors without having to go out of your house and go someplace you can just dive in and have that and if you can sit in the happy joy spot for 20 seconds or longer it'll strengthen and and lengthen actually widen your neural pathways of the brain So cool. So that's joy. Joy is deeply felt emotion. And it comes from inside. Okay, so it's who you are, why you are how you are, it's where you where you are in time and old time. Next is connected. So this is the image that I use. Imagine that every cell in your body is magnetically charged and one side is positive and one side is negative. And if they're working right, they all line up like a choo-choo train and go through your body and you're all healing and there's no big issue. But then when you're in chaos, they all back up and now you're negative to negative and positive to positive and cells are going everywhere and you're, you're out of balance. You're now living in chaos in your body. This might be an immune illness, autoimmune. This might be any of those things. You're disconnected. You're not there. And when we think disconnected, we really think body, mind, but don't think body, mind, think body. We're just into this body right now. And the cells are not helping yet. Now imagine, imagine that this affirmation could do this much work. All of my cells are reprogramming themselves to function at healthy optimum levels Mm -hmm. over and over all of my cells are reprogramming themselves to function at healthy optimum levels. I was in a yoga class just a few years ago now and started to feel the anxiety creep back up because I had finally gotten myself, I'm going to join a yoga class with all these hot people that look like goddesses and I'm going to show up and I'm going to try to go back in time and I'm going to fall in love with yoga again. That's really what I felt. And I was petrified and I started to do it And I'm looking around and everybody's so deep into it. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, my body can't do it. This is too hard. I shouldn't have picked this style. I'm not this person anymore. And everything started going haywire. All my thoughts, my body started shaking. I started feeling dizzy. I was like, that's it. I'm going to faint. This is too much. And then I stopped right before I ran out the back door. And I did that affirmation for an hour never ever stopping that sentence one sentence all of my cells are reprogramming themselves to function at healthy optimum levels by the end of the hour i was in full bliss full centered beautiful didn't care about the hot bodies on any side of me didn't care how hard anyone because this was a style of yoga where everybody comes uh when they can they start they're not the teacher's not leading you're doing your own practice in a space with all these heavy hitter yoga players and it All of a sudden, I don't even know who was left in the room. I don't care. It became what yoga is supposed to be. Your practice, your body, your life, your connection to your physical, higher, conscious self, and all of a sudden, I'm in it just from saying that one statement, but now all the cells are lining back up, positive to negative, positive to negative, and boom, you're connected, and on a bigger scale, that can really do massive healing, and then the final fabulous four is empowered. And empowered to me is to understand happy, be able to sit with it when it comes, go into joy and not run away, not couple it with fear-based thinking, catastrophes around the corner. No, I'm going to allow myself to feel the joy. Now I'm going to let my body take over and connect again, connect itself, self-healing. And empowered means I'm taking all of those out into the world around me. Now I'm stepping out of my home or my common area. And I'm still able to maintain the connected. I'm still able to maintain the healing, powerful, joy, happiness, connectedness in my body, no matter what environment I'm in, Mm. that is empowered.
0: I love all of it. I think um, what I'm reliving with you is mantra practice actually was the first thing that made a difference for me when I was healing that, um, without knowing what I was doing, I found when I was repeating these positively charged words and statements, whether they were Sanskrit or my own construction, something was, I was experiencing relief, something was beginning to change and shift. And then I'm, I keep coming back to how you're describing joy. And it's funny because it's like completely parallel with something that I am working with. I recently wrote a gratitude journal. I meant to congratulate you on that. I meant to do that right away. Congratulations. Exactly as you describe it to me, the way you're describing joy is so much like gratitude because it's not just experiencing the outside blooms and beautiful, but it is going deep into the soil of yourself to all the levels and layers and to the width and the length of yourself. So you can begin to experience the, the subtler, um contentments of being alive if you will yes so i i love how you put it all together and then i'm coming back to empowerment just being aware and being aware which brings me beautifully to the question of are we ever completely healed is the work ever completely done no no you're human
1: I think you could be healed in another plane of existence. Do I think you're going to be totally healed here? I think healed has an ED on it, (coughs) excuse me, which means past tense. I think that's my body's way of saying no. (laughs) Um, I think you're always in a state of healing, but -hmm. I think healing and heal are verbs. They're in action. Healed is finished. And I don't think that that's how we work. I think we're always in a state of healing. I think we can heal certain parts and certain parts we can shut the door. I have worked through them. They are in a state of balance. Um, Healed feels really final to me, Um, but healing is always possible but no, no. I think even the people, let's say we were talking to Jesus himself or Buddha or any of these people that really have like reached the state of enlightenment, would they say they're healed or would they say they're always in a perpetual bliss state or in a balance or in something? Because as a human, you're always susceptible.
0: Yeah, I love that. And to me, that's also a function of what we were talking at the beginning, coming back to the self-healing, the self-healing, the daily work, the daily um, practices you put in, like you were mentioning, going out in the moon, if that's your thing, or drinking your lemon water, or going, sitting down with your crystals, whatever it is for you, or the mantras, coming back to it and back to it and back to it. and switching it around and playing with it, the joy of it. Um, But then I want to ask you um, about doing that versus partnering with a healer, because I do feel, unless, you know, as you were saying, definitely find someone you trust, who's not trying to manipulate you in in some way, but someone to, um, to hold your hand into the the wilderness, if you will, to find the wildflowers and to show you what might be hidden underneath the rock, what carrot. So how do you, how do you feel about that balance of self-healing versus getting the support? I think everybody has
1: to have the support. I think you have to gather a healing team. I think that's paramount. Um, and I actually, I wrote a book, whole body healing, create your own path to physical, emotional, energetic, and spiritual wellness for that reason. Because the physical body is different than the energetic body, which is different than the emotional body, which is different than the spirit body. And the people that you would seek for help and guidance live differently. They are different uh, practitioners and they're different practices. So one of the things I would want a person to be able to identify first is, is it physical? Do I need to go see my doctor, my chiropractor, my neurologist? Do I need to go to these things? Is it emotional? Do I need to see a therapist? Do I need to do some counseling? Do I need EMDR therapy? Do I need hypnotherapy? What do I need in the, in the emotion state? Energetic. Do I need an acupuncturist? Do I need to go see yoga? Do I need some Qigong, pranic healing? Do I need some of these other that work with the subtle body? And then finally the spirit, that's your practice. Do I need to go to church? Do I need to go to mass? Do I need to go to synagogue? Do I need to go to the moon? Do I need to go to meditation? Whatever the spiritual practice is, it's, I don't, I just offer what's, what's out there. So I have that resource manual for that, because I think healing always ends up being up to you, but healing alone is almost impossible. You have to have the group. What I don't want you to do is go to someone who calls themselves the almighty healer and then takes your healing as theirs. Like I did this for you. I healed them. No, (laughs) I want the kind of healing touch where they understand you are the healer and I'm leading the way, just like you said, where they can hold your hand and take you into the wilderness. To me, that's more of like sacred medicine, Mm -hmm. medicine, healing. Um, and I think, and I get really tied up in that, verbiage because there are certain people that call themselves a healer and they really assume responsibility over somebody else's body, which they have no business doing. And then I have other people that understand and call themselves a healer because they're trying to help wake up the healing that's in you. And it's just a, it's a, it's a way of description really, but it also makes me, when I hear people say, Oh, I'm a healer. I'm this. Cause I don't say that about myself. So I'll say, I'll help you. I can do this, but I don't say I am because I have no Your body might respond to me. Your body might not. So the other part is if you come to me for work, I can't guarantee the outcome at all. (laughs) I'm not a surgeon. A surgeon should be able to guarantee an outcome because they have a very specific thing they're working on. But we're working on the energy body and the physical body and the subtle body. We're working on, you know, the subtle body is the energy body, but it's it's all of it. But yes, I do, I think it's really important, but I also think it's really important to know when to grab those helpers and when to go on your own for a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree, I agree completely. I wanna to jump to something completely, um, well, not necessarily outside, but something for, for me because that I wanted to ask you, I'm someone who I live in the United States, but I was born in Turkey. So I live somewhere I wasn't born and I know that you do too. So tell me about that experience.
1: Ah, It's the greatest experience (laughs) of my life. I'll be honest. I born and raised in the United States until last year. And we up and moved to the island of Malta which I found that most people do not know where that is. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Malta is south of Sicily, Italy. It is not Italy. It's no part of Italy. It's its own country. And it's um, it's 98% Catholic. And I am actually Catholic as far as if I were to take a religion, but I'm like way <laughs> more than one. But over here, it's not like the American religion of any kind, the American Catholic, even this is very deeply entrenched in faith, real, like real faith, not the showy kind, (laughs) not the, have you found a church yet? You know, (laughs) but the real like prayers, like there's an energy over this Island that I swear feels like prayer, like a bridge of prayer over the whole Island. I've never felt as safe. I've never felt as accepted. I've never felt as loved. I feel more at home here in my one year than I ever, than I have in twenty years, truly. So, you know, I heard of something called astrocartography, which is your birth sign and then with geography and how it lines up. I didn't get it done before I went here because I didn't want anybody to sway my opinion, and I had never been to Malta, and I wanted to give myself the opportunity to just come and open. But I have to say, if I were to <laughs> look at the geography, I can't imagine that Malta wouldn't be one of my highest points because I've come alive over here i've i've accepted myself and found a peace and a happiness that i didn't know could come from your environment the way that it has here the sea is it's all around so it's surrounded by sea there's an energy with that all roads lead to the sea here and i just have to get out sometimes i can see the sea actually from my backyard and from my front i have to see it every day it's like it last night i picked my girls up they were doing a sewing class they take sewing on Friday nights. And I said, let's go park. It's a full moon and there's this beautiful beach and we'll just park and sit in the car. I'll let you have some popcorn and we'll just look at the moon and the water and just feel it and just be thankful that this is God's creation here. Look at this, the beauty here. But I also have to say, there's a reason that people think that celebrities are are liberal. It's because they left their hometown. They saw other things they got different perspectives because it's the gift of travel. People that have left and gone to other countries are much braver than I used to think because I used to think it was cool, like when I would meet other people from other countries, but as an American, I'm finding a lot of behaviors that we have done that are like in movies and you look and you go, oh, that really is true. <laughs> we really do that. Like, and it's been um, an empowering and very humbling experience to be the foreign person um, but I also give so much love that I've I've made beautiful friends all some who are local and some who are not and it's been extraordinary and now it makes me understand I would have been a lot kinder to a lot of people not that I wasn't kind but I would have invited them over I would have tried to do more for people that were coming from other places I would have offered them a ride I would have offered them play dates I would have offered them a meal. I find that people from other countries are much more generous. And, um, I would have been that way now, if I were to go back, I would gravitate to those people because also people that speak more than one language, I'm truly believing I have theories on everything. I believe your brain is, is, is created in a different way. from from whatever age you start to take on another language, your brain can access. So watching all these children that speak one and two and three and more languages around here, and my children only speak English and now are learning Spanish, their brains, these children can absorb things in a much faster way because this is who they've had to be. So the brilliance of the children, the people. I'm also in one of the kindest countries I could have ever dreamed of ever. Um, and it's rated one of the safest places in the com- in the world. Um, and I now write for the tourism magazine here called Oh My Malta. And it's a uh, article called Emily in Malta. And the fir- And I'm doing food. So I'm going and meeting local farmers, fishermen, chefs, growers. And the first one I did was on Maltese potatoes, because they're totally different. And they're not sprayed with Malta is a GMO-free country. So anything grown here locally is GMO-free. There's no glyphosate in this country. It's illegal. I love that more than I can say. So I interviewed this potato farmer who grows potatoes for Air Malta. And we did the video interview and it's in the magazine. It's now being played on board. Air Malta flights Our our video. Things that have expanded for me here, opportunities given to me here. I paid a lot of money trying to get in America. and We're never, ever given. And here I open up and all these people are like, Ooh, I have a friend. Let's get you on this TV show. Let's do this. Why don't you try this? Everybody is just, and you know what the cool thing is? They're not sitting down having these interviews saying, well, if you could lose this much weight, or if you could look like this, or if you could get Botox, you know, make sure that this looks the right way. Instead, they're like, are you good people? Do you know your stuff? Let's do this. This is a lot of fun. Let's make this happen. Like the conversations are so different that I'm re I'm rebuilding myself yet again. Because I'm asking myself critical questions that I never was in the position to ask back home because I didn't, I didn't know it. And it's really an interesting place to be because now I'm 46 and my editors are 28 and gorgeous and stick thin and not a line on them. And, you know, and I'm looking at them and I'm like, why would you even want me on the camera when you are ridiculously hot standing behind it? But you know what? That's not the way they're looking. But I was so conditioned in, in at home to feel that way. And here they're like, oh, you're so much fun. You know this stuff, I'm learning so much. This is so great. You have to do all the food. And I thought, oh, okay. So now we've done, every month we have an article come out. It's been the most fun. I've met the most incredible people of this land. And I'm, I feel so honored and I feel loved. And it's, it's the most grand thing. So when I watch people now that are so angry back home with all this political divide. And I just keep thinking in my head, gosh, you're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong place. Start <laughs> over. yourself somewhere else. <laughs> Go, yes, because like now that I know that, now that I know what it feels like to be in a, a highly best place scenario for me it's a plot twist in the book of life for me and it's a heck of a plot twist because I was always a chicken I never traveled I've really I've been out of the country in Europe once ever and here I show up with my children who've never been on a plane and we show up in a foreign country and made it our own Mm -hmm. and for me that is the most empowered boss work I've ever done in my life and I couldn't teach my children better than
0: by example Beautiful, beautiful, I love that. I mean, I'm hearing so many parallels in your story to mine, and and for for me too. I have been living in the United States for almost 20 years now, and it's always um, from the moment I stepped foot in. This is this is home to me, and Amazing. people look at me, and some of my Turkish friends ask me like are you thinking of retiring to, I'm like to Turkey? I'm like, no, this is home. That's <laughs> what I feel like here. I want to stay here. I'm very happy here, but I want to ask you, I know you're, you're someone like me who, who, who is like deeply interested in life. It's, it's been so much fun to chat with you, Emily. i w I'm pretty sure that you're already onto your next thing. So what are you curious about right now? So what's next? for you well
1: what's next we're pitching the book that we're working on with the articles so if i were to put out into the universe what i really really want to manifest it's the coffee table book for oh my malta for all these foods and and for the feasts, they're coming back. You know, Malta has Malta is less than half a million population, so they take care of each other here, and they've reached uh, herd immunity here. So things are opening back up over here with regards to the pandemic. Um, we're still worried, but we take care of each other in a different way over here. And uh, I want to honor it, and I want to turn it into a book as the world opens back up here. So I'm I'm working on that. I'm working on on doing something over here and and making Malta mine. I I, want to be part of it. I want to honor the people. I want to show them my love and my gratitude because it's amazing to be in a place where you feel safe with your children and loved and accepted. Even, Even as silly as this, my daughter had a new tutor come over that teaches at her school so that we can be prepared for the school year ahead because we don't start till the end of September. So I wanted to use the summer because both of my children had to skip grades to come here for their school system. So we spent the year trying to catch up and I, I wanna take advantage of the summer. So we, I did a video with my daughter's teacher and she gave me this name and the tutor comes over and my daughter goes, she hugged me and kissed my head and told me I'm so smart. And you know, in America, that's such a no. Teachers cannot hug and kiss the heads. And, and here it's like, oh my, you're brilliant and hugging. And, and I'm like, yes, that's what I want. I want that for my kids. I want them to have a teacher that can grab them and hug them. They're not kissing their mouth. They're not touching inappropriately. They're kissing their heads and giving love, but that's how families here and teachers here, kids feel very loved because we're not terrified of being sued every time we're looking. You know, she's here in my home, this teacher, she's not doing something inappropriate. It was beautiful. But when my child said, you know, she said, I'm really smart. And I said, honey, you are really smart. This was never a thing about smart. You had to skip two grades. You have a lot to do. You're brilliant. I'm trying to make sure we stay with that. Of course, you're really smart. But how great to have someone come over and validate it and give your child that love and affection and say, you are so smart. Wow. They just, and they, they, they always say this, brava. They always <laughs> say that to the kids. Brava. Brava. They're very sweet. And there's a word in Maltese, pupa." which means doll. And you hear it everywhere. So they're like, good morning, poopa, come on, like, they're just very endearing. And I've looked for that all my life.
0: You know, that sounds so beautiful. And um, I love hearing the excitement in your voice as you're talking about Malta and your experiences and and your healing work. So This has been an absolute pleasure, Emily. Is there anything you want to leave our listeners with in in terms of um, encouraging them in in their healing journey? Yes.
1: But first, I want to say a huge congratulations to you and your journal. It's a huge deal to write a book. And only people that have written a book understand the massive amounts of work and time and dedication because it's supposed to look like it was easy. And yours is beautiful and it looks like it was easy, which means there was a lot of work in there. So uh, my heartfelt congratulations and big props to you means a lot to your listeners. I'm sure that you love them so much to do this. Uh, As far as you who are listening, your body is full of magic and wisdom and don't let anybody tell you different. Never, never take the no. Do not screw the lid on the jar of possibilities. Anything is possible. Possible for your health, your healing, and your life. And I send you all big love.
0: Thank you so much, Emily. And I want to send everyone to your website. I'll put it down below as well. The it- journals are free too. So the
1: meditations and the journals on there are free to download and enjoy. So even if I, I hope you get the book, actually, I hope you get the audio book. The person that's uh, narrating it is fabulous it's not me <laughs> when I listen to her I'm like oh wow that's good oh I wrote that like it's an interesting thing but you can go to the website you can do Emily A. Francis books you can also go to healingourselveswhole.com and you can go to audio and journal download it have it for free enjoy it and if you do need something contact me tell me what's going on and I can help you find your healing team wherever you are
0: beautiful thank you thank you so much for all that you do Emily Thank
1: you for all you do. Pleasure.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Conversations with Healers. If this episode spoke to you in any way, please leave a review or comment, like or love it, and share it with others in your life. This is a true soul love project from my heart to yours. I really appreciate your help in spreading the word. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and check out other episodes to listen to some extraordinary healing stories and advice. Have a beautiful and wonderful day.